Good morning, Grace. I'm glad you could join us today. I would like to maybe change a little bit of the gears and going through the Bible in a year, have a family conversation about all the craziness and the chaos that's happening around the world in our country and even in our own cities and sometimes in our own living rooms. It appears that like politics and the media are poisoning our ability to have a rational conversation to know what to think and what to do. And, you know, it seems as though the, the wildest or the loudest voice gets that spotlight. Let's, let's stop that. Because as believers, we know this. We want, we want justice and love and mercy to every single image bearer in the world. And we want to be part as a church of making that happen. And I know you're probably thinking and even feeling, what can the Christians at Grace Covenant Church do to make a change? What can the Christians at Grace Covenant Church, how, how can we use our voice? What can the Christians at Grace Covenant Church do to, to help every single child in this city have a, a bright and better future? Let's have a conversation about what to do with the grief that we experience and the sorrow and even the anger that we're having. There was a time in Israel's history where they, there was a moment of national crisis. They had rejected God and they were trying to make things right. And in the context of this story, Micah was the prophet and he, he just goes to God and says, what do we do? How do we get back? How do we do this right? How, Yahweh, tell us. Tell us. And he says this. He says in Micah chapter 6, verse 6, he says, what, what shall I do to come before Yahweh and bow down before this exalted God? Shall I come to you with burnt offerings like calves that are a year old? Will, will Yahweh be pleased with a thousand rams? Or, or how about 10,000 rivers of olive oil? What if I offered my firstborn to you? And you can see how he's using, he's gone to hyperbole. What, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. And this is the answer that has become quite famous in the last month. He gives us an answer of how all of humanity is to act. He says, he has shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good. What does Yahweh require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God to act justly. I hope you've seen the video that we've posted on social media and our links to the Bible project, the definition of justice, to act justly. It means it, it can be uh, a retribution justice. This is the legal system of an eye for an eye. You probably know that phrase, an eye for an eye. And that's actually a statement of justice, that if you do something that costs $10 wrong to someone, you pay them back $10, maybe $10 with a fine. But if you bounce a check, you don't get killed. The government doesn't have that kind of power of injustice. But also injustice is, call, is restorative injustice. And that means that we become advocates and, and, and protectors of those that are oppressed or vulnerable. And so you th see throughout the Bible that, that God, God brings up those that are oppressed. He says the oppressed, the, the widow, the orphan, the alien, and the poor. And the reason he distinguishes those group, that group of people is because they are especially vulnerable to injustice. And why is that? Here's why. 
Because there is a bully inside of every son of Adam and daughter of Eve. And bullies do what bullies do. They look for the weakest person to pick on, or they look for someone that's not like them, and they pounce on them. And justice bridles the bully. Act justly. Love mercy. Love mercy. That word mercy, that's our word. We studied it a few weeks ago. That's the Hesed word. And that type of mercy, remember, is a commitment. It has a cost associated with it. It, it. it means that you can't just sit down on the sidelines while you watch someone else being taken advantage of. That you, when you see suffering take place, you run towards that to make sure that's right. That's what it means to love mercy. And to walk humbly with our Lord. This is, uh, this is interesting. This word humbly, it's the only time it's used in the Older Testament. It's somewhat of a new word. If you look at the culture during Micah's time and then later on with the Greeks and the Romans, humility is a vice, not a virtue. It is a sign of weakness, not strength. But he says, walk humbly with the Lord because you're made in the Lord's image, in Yahweh's image, and Yahweh is a humble God. He becomes he is in the form of God and he becomes in the form of man. He humbles himself and becomes in the form of man, even to the point of death, death on the cross. And that was to show the power of humility. Jesus changed the very meaning of that word. And when we walk humbly with our Lord, we say, truthfully, search me, O God, know my heart. What's in there? Do I have this vileness inside of me? Am I humble enough to take responsibility for that? This is what the Lord expects, to, to act justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with him. It's the narrative of the entire human experience. It is what we are to be doing to every single image bearer. Every, in, in the image of God, he made man, male and female, female. every people, every tribe, every nation, Everything is, everyone is treated with equal dignity, just like the Trinity interacts. And, and they're all serving each other. The Father serves the Son, and the Son serves the Spirit, and the Spirit serves the Father. That's how we're to act with one another. And what's great about what we get to talk about in the church is we get to talk about the root of all of this evil that's taking place because we have revelation from God. We know the full story. We know the real problem here because God has revealed that to us. Racial inequality, racism itself, injustice, prejudice, that root is sin. And when we talk about sin, we're talking about sin in the human heart. And then in the Bible, it says there's sin in the culture, the world. And then there's, we live in two realms. There's a spirit world. And, and, and the part of the spirit world is evil and wicked and sinful. The first expression of violence in the Bible is when Cain looks at Abel and glares at him. And God comes and intercedes and says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to devour you. Listen to that. Sin is a predator. It's not ambiguous. It is pursuing us. It's, it, 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 it is hiding behind. It is sleuth-filled. It is, it is looking for opportunities to devour all things beautiful. All things godly. Sin is anti-justice. It is anti-mercy. It is anti-humility. 
And Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities and powers and rulers that are out to fight who has a right to rule. Does God Almighty, Yahweh the sovereign God, rule in our hearts, in our families, in our city, in our nation, in the world? And that, that is a spiritual world going on. And what we saw in that video with George Floyd is especially disgusting because the person involved in the assault is wearing a uniform. He is an official of justice. And he is cruel. And no, he's, he is vicious. And he is, you can see he is just smug with power as a man pleads for his life. And in that, you see, there's no justice. There is no mercy. There is no humility. Cain kills Abel again. It was a spiritual war. We saw, you, you can't do that without help of sin crouching at the door and devouring. So we're a church. We know better. We know that we're in a war and it's not just physical. It is about the nature of the human heart. It is about the culture itself. It is about the demons and the devil himself that wants to ruin all those things. And we see the madness. That's one of the things that's taking place here is just the madness. Are you trying to make sense out of this and you can't? Here's why. Because you can't. The devil only uses reason when it's convenient for his cause. Mostly, he just wants to get us amped up on emotion so we can get drunk and distracted because it is through our distraction and, 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 this, and again, this wild emotions that we might be carrying that he divides us. That's his strategy. He is out to divide those things that are sacred, sacred things from God, divide the church and divide families. That's what he's doing. The idea of people sitting down and having a calm and respectful conversation that we could reason and listen and learn and seek to understand, that is what the devil is afraid of. And I think our, the sin inside of our soul is afraid of that. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's have a calming conversation about justice and mercy and humility. Let's discuss with one another how we can care for people, people that are in need, people that don't look like us. And I did that. I did that this week. I've, I've brought a, a friend to help discuss that. This is Kathy Ellison. She'll introduce herself, and I'll be back after that. Listen, I uh, wanted to let you know about a wonderful opportunity we have before us. Kathy Ellison is here, and we're friends. We traveled to Israel together, and, and th then That's we're right. friends for life. <laughs> and uh, Kathy, I, I've been talking to Kathy throughout the week on uh, since uh, the death of George Floyd and how we can respond and some of the things that are happening around our city and around even the world now and how we could play a part. Kathy uh, comes to us with a vast knowledge because of her experience. And I'll start with just having her introduce herself, and you'll see how lucky we are to have her with us today. 
Kathy, tell us about yourself and... I'll be glad to. I don't know if it's lucky or not, but yeah. I'll tell you. Um, I'm a, 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 from a small town in, uh, near Lockhart. It's called Dale. And um, after graduating from high school, I uh, went to uh, Southwest Texas, now Texas State. Mm -hmm. After graduating with a, a degree, I, uh, three months later, I joined the Austin Police Department. And from there, I um, stayed and uh, promoted my way up and um, finally um, becoming interim chief for about 18 months before Chief Acevedo, between Chief Nee and Chief Acevedo, mm -hmm. and then retired in October of 2008. Right. And when you joined the force, you were the first black female on the force in Austin Police Department. That is correct. There had been others who tried but got terminated or oh. quit or whatever the situation was, but right. I'm a country girl and I can take some things, and so I stayed till the end. Right. There were 48, uh, 46 people in our cadet class, there were two black women and one black male, um, and only two of us graduated, one black woman and one black male. Wow. The other lady quit. Hmm. Well, so you were on, at, at APD for 30 years, so you've seen Austin change dramatically, uh, just economically and socioeconomically, and even demographically, and yes. then you've seen Austin radically change as well, even in, in racial issues. As a member of the police department, that must have been quite an experience. Yes, uh, when I came to Austin, there was no MOPAC. And right. so Burnett Road was kind of our northern boundary. And when uh, you join the police department, you immediately go to patrol. Everybody goes to patrol. Because right. that's the first question they ask a woman, did you go on patrol? I'm like, of course. So um, I was on patrol, northwest. Um, never been to Austin, lived in Austin. Uh, been here with my parents, but not on a regular basis. We would slip up here when I was, and go to a club when I was in college, but it was east. Uh, and so um, I came northwest, and it was not a pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. And so I asked to get to East Austin, because at the time, that's where most black people lived. And, um, and sure enough, that was true. Um, people may not, may not believe it, but uh, East Austin was booming um, with um, uh, stores and movie theaters and uh, things for black people, because they were all pushed to the uh, east of 35. Right. So. Um, you were predominantly a white church, and then here you are. How did you end up coming to Grace Covenant Church, and, and why did, what makes you stay? Well, I, I think God tricked me, so, because <laughs> I, uh, I was uh, praying. I had been at my previous church for um, 30 years since I came to Austin, basically, and, um, and so I was praying. Uh, uh, things were not right in my soul, so I had tried to leave my previous church once before, and God sent me back. And I was there for another four years. And so I just prayed. I prayed. I said, God, my spirit isn't right. My heart isn't right. Um, this is not where I need to be. And so I just asked for some guidance. And um, after sitting at home for about six months and not going to church, my mom would say, have you gone to church yet? I said, no. And, <laughs> Your mom is still saying, go <laughs> to said, church. Are you going to church? I said, no. And so I knew that Grace was here. And, um, but when I, uh, the first, I came here once before a long time ago, this building wasn't here. Mm -hmm. I think I must have been in the worship center. Uh, I mean the um, auditorium. Auditorium, uh, And there was um, someone from Bible Study Fellowship invited me to an event. And so I said, well, I'm just going to go to Grace. And so when I walked in, I said, okay, God, are you sure this is where I'm supposed to be? And not because of the race, but because it was such a big church. Mm. My home church had maybe 50 people. The previous church had maybe 200, and here I am coming mm. to a church that has thousands of people, thousands. it seemed like. And right. so um, I wanted a church. I prayed uh, for a church that um, taught the Bible, 
and not just talked about God, but about Jesus Christ mm. and him being our savior. So I said, um, I'm going to get into some of these disciple classes. And so it'll be smaller and I'll get to know people. And I go in and there's 150 people. I mean, it's the size <laughs> of my regular church, but I, I figured my way through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, talking about race and racial relations is not an easy conversation to have. Right. And like, why is it worth having? Well, I think it's, um, it's about learning about each other. Um, I, I think that sometimes people say things they shouldn't say, but if you know their history and more about them, you're liable not to say those things or do those things. But I think it's just um, it's an asset knowing about people from other cultures and other races, and um, we get to enjoy each other's company, each other's food, each other's music. And so, I, you know, we're talking about it at a time where it's, it's a, kind of an uproar, but I think it's a conversation that all churches need to have because uh, most churches are segregated, and uh, I think it's just an uncomfortable conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And it's worth, it's worth having because, I, what did you say in, your, in police training? You had... Uh, yeah, the, the... We, we had um, different groups go, um, different cadets, is what we call them while you're in training, uh, to talk to different segments of the community. And, and the main theme of most of them is just accept us, don't tolerate us. Right. And so I thought that was a great thing to say, mm-hmm. is accept me for who I am right. with all my flaws and my race and my culture and don't just tolerate me. Right, and I think, and I think the, the Bible teaches uh, believers because everyone's in the image of God to right. not just uh, accept and tolerate but to enjoy and, and like drink it in, the differences. Yes. God loves diversity and look around, you know, and so to, to, to not tolerate, not accept, but enjoy mm-hmm. and embrace. Yes, so, I agree, I agree, right. I agree. So, um, how do, how do we help, how can we be, be better at loving brothers and sisters and members of, of, of our culture that aren't the same color? Um, I think it's exactly the same way as you would love any other Christian. I mean, I'd be kind and considerate and compassionate, um, but just know that we're all made in the image of, uh, of Jesus and uh, of God, and therefore um, treat each other the same way. I don't think the love is any different. I think sometimes people aren't really sure what to say or do, like I said earlier, but if you just love me as Kathy, get to know me and just love me as Kathy. I'm, I'm talking about the agape kind of love right. that uh, God has for us. Okay. But I got to ask you. Okay. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> what, like, what things do we say that kind of bug you that we shouldn't say could you just help me? Uh, help sure. me be nice. Uh-huh. Um, don't say uh, when I walk into a room, I don't see color. I what does just, that mean? That means that you don't see me. Oh. Because uh, every time I go into a room, I know I'm black, and so you just have to. So you just have. You don't have to say, "Hey, Kathy," but you need to admit that there's other people in the room other than you. Right. And then I don't like it when people go, um, "You're articulate," and I mean, and that just that. Or you talk like you're a white person. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite know what that means. Right. I'm still trying to figure that out. Right. But it's condescending. It is condescending. It's condescending. It is and, condescending. And, and the person maybe saying it might mean well, but right. it is not received well. It is not received well. Uh, so so what, can, what can the church, uh, that's very helpful, by the uh-huh. way. <laughs> what can the church do maybe that uh, even maybe in, our, in, our, in the context of our city, how could the church help our city? How could the church be, become better citizens in the context of, of the police violence that we've seen mm-hmm. and what needs to change? And then how can we do that like within the church itself? Getting involved is a, in whatever aspect that is for you. 
if it's attending a rally or uh, uh, one of the protests, attend. Um, vote. Everybody can vote. Mm -hmm. um, the elections are coming up for city council and some runoffs are coming uh, up, but people don't really care about voting until it's a national election. But the policies and the decisions that affect your city mm -hmm. are made at the city council level. Right. And um, because we have districts, you just need to learn who your city council person is. You can write them letters, you can send them emails, you can give them calls, but we just encourage you to participate in city government. Well, I think one thing you said earlier was, you want good police? Re refer yes, church members. That's right. Recruiting. Recruit. I mean, we have the hardest time sometimes recruiting police officers, good police officers. So if you know someone that you would think would make an excellent police officer, right. because you know them, you know their character, refer them to recruiting. They might not have even thought about being a police officer, but once they go in and see what the qualifications are, and you can make a great impact by being a police officer. You know, it never occurred to me until just this moment that what if, like all the churches in Austin wanted to um, place members in those 130 spots that yes, are available yes, coming up, uh -huh. and they were all members of the body of Christ all over right. the city and wanted to serve God and, 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 and make God proud. Right. That would be a whole department change. I, I, it be. would be. You know, but you know, there are a lot of Christian police officers. Right. Um, I, I don't know if they still do, but the Austin Police Department had uh, a Christian group of, of, uh, of Bible-studying uh, police officers that were led by a chaplain, and they still have chaplains who were um, ministers of various churches, and that's how they get involved too. Um, they counsel the officers, they make recommendations, and so they're in there. And you can volunteer at the at the police department, and but recruiting is a big thing. It's a really big thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, how could we help uh, some of our our people in law enforcement, whether it's uh, you know highway patrol or, mm -hmm. or or some of the guards or Austin Police Department, do you think? Right, because DPS is DPS. there all the time standing mm -hmm. in front of at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're standing too with all that stuff on. Um, I, prayer works at all times. So, I mean, and that's something that most churches are probably doing anyway is praying. But, you know, um, just find a police officer in your neighborhood. Um, show your appreciation. Um, there's an officer that works here that talked about how... Um, um, protesters are watching them leave and following them home and know where they're living. Wow. And so she's asking people to um, look after her house. Um, and so it's just uh, those kinds of things. If you just, uh, even if you just take a meal and leave it on the front porch um, and show any of those kinds of things that you could help with, um, uh, but just show them that not everybody is like the man who knelt on George Floyd. Right. Uh, Kathy, what uh, what can the church do to help um, expand our understanding of racial relationships and become involved in, in celebrating the differences? I think that um, uh, a couple years ago, um, out of a, a women's Bible study class, um, counterculture, um, we did a class on uh, racial reconciliation, and it was called Be the Bridge. Mm -hmm. I think that class should be each semester. Mm -hmm. um, it, it talks about being aware uh, acknowledging that you've sinned and, and asked for repentance because everybody has something in their heart that probably um, has something to do with a bias. And you may not recognize it, but that's one of the things they ask you to do. And this, um, there is a book, and it's called Be the Bridge, and the full title is Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. And it's by Latasha Morrison, who's a black female who 
lived in Austin for a long time, but moved to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a Facebook group that you can join, and they're having a discussion about the same thing. It's constant. And another book that um, you all are already reading, which was called White Awake, um, and it says an honest look at what it means to be white. And somebody may want to buy that book and read it themselves. And uh, there's some videos on. And then um, you can also, um, most people know Eric, M Michael Eric Dyson just recently wrote a book called Tears We Cannot Stop. Um, and it's a sermon about white America. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's a good book, along with we talked about the Citizens Police Academy and just getting involved. Right. But those are good resources. How do we, uh, how do we pray for uh, our city and in our in our law enforcement. In other words, how do you pray? You you were praying on Saturday mm -hmm. with your sorority, mm -hmm. and you you got together and and had a, a, a moment where you kneeled for eight minutes and forty six seconds, and then you prayed. How do you pray? We want to pray like that. Well, we prayed specifically. We a couple of things. We prayed for the Floyd family, right? Um, for um, them to feel God's comfort and peace. And then we prayed for this city. Uh, it was in turmoil and um, stores were being destroyed. So we prayed for uh, protection and peace for the officers as well as all the protesters. Uh, we prayed for, the, for God's justice to be done, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, we prayed for, um, and then we prayed for each other. We prayed for uh, the building up the police officers because uh, we know they're tired. But we prayed for this city um, to heal and to um, close the racial divide. Because things like this have been going on a long time. Mm -hmm. So this is a personal question, but uh, I feel like I would love to know the answer, and I think it would it would serve our congregation well. In light of in light of your upbringing, in light of being the first black female, and what what the stories that go mm -hmm. along with that, and then seeing what you see on TV, how do you keep from being bitter? Well, I, you know, I, my faith is the biggest thing. Even when I was interim chief. I would come in, close my door, and I'd pray for the day. I'd pray over my office. I'm like, Satan, you're not going to have your way today. I mean, it was probably foolish, but I did. I just uh, wanted to make good decisions. I wanted to make sure, especially if I was about to terminate somebody, mm -hmm. those kinds of things, to make sure I, I do the right thing. But it's just my faith. And I think that probably 80% of police work is good work. I loved being a police officer. I loved being on patrol. I loved the interaction. Uh, people might not have liked it when I gave them a ticket. I, somebody told me that I stopped them 20 years ago and gave them a ticket. I have no idea anything about that. I probably did. But I love the interaction. Um, I love uh, talking to them and them asking questions. But I liked being on patrol. It's probably my favorite part of the, of the job. Um, it's less political because you can just take your calls, do the best that you can, and go on. But, and then I had good friends. Um, that were not police officers. And so uh, you had to have stuff away from the police department. Oh. Um, whether it was your church or my sorority, whatever it is, you have to have other stuff to do. Right. Well, I, again, you, I, I feel like you are a great example of a person that, who has persevered over a long period of time mm -hmm. in a very difficult position uh, for a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think you have exemplified becoming like Christ in all of life and becoming like yeah. Christ in your career. Yeah. It's a, it's a great value here. Thank you. So mm -hmm. thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Right. Mm -hmm. We'll talk to you again maybe. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. I told you. <laughs> it's a calming, softening conversation. It's reasonable. 
with open hearts. And when I, when I saw the, the tape after I had done it and then we played it to some of the staff and the leadership, they all said it was so soothing. That's what evil, that's what sin wants to keep us from enjoying is coming together time and time again and saying, how do we learn? I mean, I loved when she said, you know, people of color, they, they didn't want to be tolerated. They just want to be accepted. No, that's not where we stop as a church, right? We celebrate and enjoy and, and, and embrace the differences. The way God made us was purposeful. How do we love people of color? Well, you love them like everything else. You're just like, if, you, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and then all these things, right? Just seek the kingdom, love his people. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you clothed me. Yeah, the, independent of, of color, right? Grace, here's, here's what I want to bring to the conversation. I think this is a significant moment in American history and in the history of the American church. And I, I don't want us to get distracted by the violence and the crazies to take our eye off this real possibility that this could be one of those moments. Moments happen when men and women of God work diligently for years and sometimes decades, and then there's a trigger. William Wilberforce worked for over a decade on trying to end slave trade, and then a moment happened, and it was ended. Slavery in this country ended in a moment. There was a moment when a little woman with a giant roar changed our country when she said, Rosa Parks said, I'm not going to sit in the back of the bus. This is a moment, and we need to grasp this. How do we do it? How do we play our part? We start with humility, with this acknowledgement that, uh, that we're not adequate. I'm not adequate to talk about this, but we have to talk about this. We just, we must. And it, it, is, it is going to be messy. I have every expectation that we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We have to be extremely patient. So, and, and so, as we not, so as we don't run away from something and we don't run into something just because we're full of zeal. We have to be humble about this and courageous. But here's what we do. First, we pray. We pray a lot. And I, I hope you noticed that Kathy mentioned it at least two times that, that she gets strength and her application in life is to pray. And why did she say that? Because Kathy, Kathy is a godly woman and she knows how the spiritual world works. She knows she's in a battle that's not about flesh and blood. And she brings that to us. The root of this is sin. It is sin in the human soul. It is sin in the culture. It is sin and evil in the spiritual world. And we're not praying as a cop-out, so we're going to pray and not do anything else. It, we're, we're praying because we're being strategic in a spiritual war, and we need to know the mind of God. We need to know what to do and, and how to do it and how to recognize the enemy and his, and his ways so that we don't do something full of zeal but rather ignorant. We need to pray. The battle belongs to the Lord. Pray. Pray by yourself in your devotional time. Pray with your small group. Pray as a church. Pray. Second thing we can do is, is learn. There's a book that uh, we're suggesting that everybody read together, and we're going to have uh, small groups together. Uh, the book title is called White Awake. Not a big fan of the title. 
but the author does a very good job of walking us through an experience of what it means to be white and maybe a little bit ignorant of what has happened in the past and currently with people of color and particularly African-Americans. Uh, Melissa Eckel is our director of women's ministry and she sought out multiple different you know, educational experiences for, for the women's group. This is months before uh, George Floyd was murdered, but she came up with this uh, application of White Awake for this summer previous. And then we discussed it as a staff and said, well, let's do it church-wide. Let's meet in groups. So, it's a, it's, so we can learn about justice. And, and it's, a, it's a book that's not condescending and self-righteous. Six weeks, small group, meeting virtually. Maybe some of the groups might choose to uh, meet with a, a safe distance. They're co-ed. It, and, and the space is limited. So you need to go on our website and, and see what it says and how, how you can get involved in that. Wide Awake, that's a good resource. Another one is Strength of Love, the, the sermons from Martin Luther King while he was in prison. This is sometimes a textbook for, for, for people in, well, in Kevin's case, our youth pastor in, in seminary, they read that book, good book. The third one is a ministry called Education Connection. Our church has been involved in this for over a year and so have, have multiple churches around the city of Austin. Let me tell you about it. You can change a generation by involving yourself in Education Connection. Closing the gap between people of color and people with privilege, it's the single most important issue is education. There is a significant fork in the road between third and fifth grade in the educational experience. If a third, fourth, or fifth grader can read, they are probably bound for college. If a third, fourth, or fifth grader cannot read, they are bound for poverty. And black and brown people are more likely to end up in prison. Here's how you can change a generation. You get involved in this ministry that goes and goes into the schools during the school time, and they, and they help children learn to read. Sometimes learning how to read is not a value in the home. It could be a very, various reasons. It could be a value, or the parents don't know how to read, for example, and they want to help their children, but they can't. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When my child couldn't read, you came and tutored them. And if we get involved in this ministry, again, we can change a, a generation. We can shatter this pipeline to prisons and build a super highway to college and a future and, and change and raise the tide of a whole people group. It's just a few hours a week once school gets going again. Melinda did it this last semester, and she was very blessed by it. She served her community that way. Let's do that together. We'll get started again. We'll tell you more about it, but you can look into it now. Here's how I want to end, Grace. Every believer is a minister. This is our moment to thrive. We are not going to be afraid. We will be courageous. We are not going to be proud. We will be humble. We are not going to be distracted. We will be focused because we know that this is a spiritual war and the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's engage. Let's pray. Oh, sovereign God, could it be that before time began, it was your plan to put this church on this hill with a crown and a scepter so that all of Austin would know that you rule. 
that you have authority. And in your authority, there is justice. There is an eradication of injustice. And this church must play her part in making that happen. We realize that this battle is not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the spiritual realm. It is a battle of the sin bent in our souls to be bullies. And God, I'd ask that we would be a church that rises to this occasion, that we would open our eyes if that's what we need to do that we would serve those that need this kind of service, that we would be discerning in how we serve and where we serve. Lord, let us, let us be in this moment that while you were running, this, this real estate and squirrels were running around 200 years ago planting acorns for the beautification of this campus, you had in mind maybe this very thing, a church that believes that every believer is a priest, and a prophet, and an agent of justice and mercy and humility. God, let us be that individually and collectively so that we might please you by showing the spirit world that as for me and my house and this church, we will serve the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us in a family conversation. I hope you were blessed.